In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Cleveland. It's series three, episode one. Browns football is back 2020. I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I added another member to the dog pound this morning. So uh, Claude Claude! is here. Claude is sleeping. He's asleep. He's He's a stud. For everyone who's uh, not watching this, Claude is a French bulldog, if I'm correct. Yep. Jack is the most happiest man in England right this second. I'll be a lot happier when I, I've finished all the toilet training. Yeah, the first six, eight weeks are going to be brutal, buddy. Get the, the little paper towels stocked up. Uh, I've got them all. But finally, guys, football's back. Browns are playing some sort of football. And for me, the buzz is back. Since the draft has been dead, dead quiet now okay miles signed but now i think this is it this is the start jack we're going into our third year it's crazy eh? yeah it's nuts it's uh it's, it's come a long way we've had a lot of fun um and now now's the time for the w's we've seen everything else and um, we've seen one form of roster building have our opinions on that we've seen something else and uh na- and now it's time for the team to go and prove that there is a lot of talent mm-hmm. and it's going to be tough. I think the first four weeks, um, we're going to have some serious growing pains. Jedrick Will's first snap at left tackle in God knows how many years is uh, going to be straight up against the Ravens in week one. So there's going to be growing pains. But as long as weeks five to eight are a massive improvement in weeks one to four, I feel really, really confident. It's for the first time we've we've got that full unity. Everyone's going in the right direction. And it's something that's not been here as long as I've been a Browns fan. Cool. Ian? Hi, Paul. Thanks for the introduction. I appreciate it, buddy. No, mate. Um, anytime, Ian. Anytime. You know, Jack kind of hit the hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's good to have football back. It's good to see it. I think we need it. For the last few months, it's really just kind of been a drag. We have a lot of headlines, a lot of talk, just not a lot of action. So, listen, I wouldn't put too much stock into what you see, but – Put some stock in the fact that you're actually seeing something. You definitely can tell there's an uptick of talent, and it's finally good to see it in the orange and brown. Well, let's go straight into the training session. Both of you guys watched it, seen the headlines. Obviously, I think the biggest talking point at the moment, J.C. Tretter possibly may miss week one, two, and come back week three. Jack, what's your headline view on that, mate? So I thought the the biggest surprise here was that um, Brown, I think it's Evan Brown, wasn't the natural successor to jump in and get st- uh, starting center snaps because there's been a lot of hype from people around him of like, oh, he's the, he's the veteran, they might use him and they might keep him on the roster and then literally just come through. And um, I, I think it's great. 
and hopefully JC is healthy because you don't want a third sort of not top player quality out there because regardless of him taking in the first round, Wills is coming in. He's not going to be top quality straight away. So you've got that. You've obviously got the weakness, which is Wyatt Teller. You've got two other players that are great. Having a third one in there that's in a great category rather than a rookie, that's something we certainly want to see. Let's keep Baker safe. And it will also help with the others' development, the fact that then they're not risked around there. I think the one interesting thing, though, we've got 175 million cap. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago when I wrote an article. JC Treader is one of those few veterans. There's only five of them on the team who have got big money and next to no guarantees next year. And if he does end up missing two games and Harris plays well, that puts a lot of pressure on him. You can probably trade him off. You can probably get some value still. But if they're panicking and they want to save some cap because, hey, Justin Simmons is hit free agency and they can go get top safety, that's a decision they're going to have to have. So it's, uh, it's an important time for JC. JC needs to get back there fit and play in week one, which I think he will. I'm pretty confident that will be the case. Ian? My, my thing on that, do you think they just put Harris out there because he's a rookie and needs reps? I mean, Evan Brown's going into, what, his third year? And they said Treader, it was a minor procedure, I think Rappaport said, where he had some loose bodies, which is basically they just scope it, clean it out. I also think that a lot of these training camps, the Miles Garrett hamstring, the Jarvis Landry hip, the J.C. Treader knee, they're going to just sit these guys because they know what they're going to get out of them. So I think you're going to just see a lot of rookies, a lot of young guys get some reps because they're just not used to the NFL game. I'm not worried about J.C. Treader. I have no doubt he'll be out there week one. He probably had this procedure done a couple weeks ago, and it's probably precautionary. Um, I know they just got everything finalized with the CBA, so he was busy with that. So I'm sure they got it cleaned up. I don't foresee it being a problem. And Ian Rappaport agreed. He didn't seem like he thought it was going to impact his season at all either. I'm just looking at um, even Brown. I haven't really heard a lot about him in centre. Uh, un- undrafted free agent. and uh, He's a kid from SMU, yeah. Yeah. We got him from the Bills and the Dolphins. He was in the AFC East last year. Uh, we acquired him in the offseason. He's kind of a rotational guy. I do think that a guy like Nick Harris, they just want to get reps. But, yeah, Evan Brown and Willie Wright are your other two guys that know how to snap the ball. So, I just see them getting all these guys reps in the interim. I'm sure maybe tomorrow when they go out there, you may see Evan Brown and Willie Wright ripping snaps. Yeah, to be fair, um, yeah, we haven't mentioned that. Um, I know that uh, Willie Wright, Baker Mayfield liked him. So, uh, yeah, and he's a center. So uh, Great last name. Sorry? Great last <laughs> name. It's a bit pious there. I prefer Evan He's Mr. Right in my eyes. Um, But yeah, I think the next big news was Miles Garrett injury. Uh, Soft tissue. Ian's looking at me, not not feeling that, no, Ian. We're not worried. He strained his hamstring signing that big-ass contract. Yeah. I don't think they wanted to abuse Jedrick Wills that early in camp, so they said, hey, start with Olivier Vernon your first couple snaps, then we'll get you ready for Miles Garrett. Can you imagine going from college to Miles Garrett in your first practice? And flipping sides. <laughs> yeah. One interesting thing, though, that has been solved for us who've, is Whitella, a right guard. So he was training with the first teams. That kind of looks his place to lose at the moment. I, I don't know, because if um, Leary, is it? Ron, yeah, Ronald Leary. Ronald Leary. 
um, comes in, then he, he's good. He was the 16th. He, he had a bad year last year in terms of his standards. And he finished as the 16th best pass blocking guard, according to PFF. He's got injuries. So there's going to be questions there, but he is going to be pushed hard if Leary comes in because he's got a history with Callahan. It was quite a while ago, but if Teller's not delivering to the level they want, I don't think they're going to be afraid to go, let's give Leary a shot um, and you can be demoted to backup. So who knows? Leary might not get a deal done. Um, I don't even know if he's arrived yet um, because they've got to do all this stuff of pass a couple of tests before they can get in, etc. But uh, it, it's one to certainly keep an eye on because Teller's just okay. He's not going to give you anything amazing. Um, and they'll always look to upgrade. Yes, staying on the... Uh, actually, let's flip on the other side. With no Miles Garrett, guess who the two first-team defensive ends were? That'd be Claiborne and Vernon, right? I guess so. I know Porter Gustin was getting some reps, though, wasn't he? Chad I, saw 90, I saw 97 out there. Chad Thomas will start in the, with the first defensive end. You sure he wasn't at the DJ booth rocking the mixtapes? D yeah. end, not DJ, Ian. <laughs> not sure where he provides more value. Mm. They probably just want to prove that he's not good enough. Yeah, because right now, what do we got? We got Vernon Thomas, Gustin Garrett, Claiborne. Uh, we got Robert McRae, Justin's brother, and then our boy who was on the podcast, friend of the show, George Obina, who yeah. was good to see him come back. So um, hopefully get some some big things out of George. Did you think that team's strong enough? No. Andrew Berry obviously doesn't think he's good enough. My boy, Vinnie Curry, they made the slightly bigger offer than what Philadelphia were offering, but he decided to stay in Philly, which I get that. You don't want to up sticks and move your family unless it's a sizable difference um they're still out there looking for improvement whether that'll be wake general shit whether there's other guys out there that they go for i, I think there's certainly going to be another um edge defender coming in i also think they need to see bodies i mean this year is going to be unique in the sense of the roster is going to look a little different the practice squad's going to look a little different the tests the covid I mean, you're realistically going to need to have several people on speed dial. Um, now, I think 32 out of 32 G GMs would take Vinnie Curry over George Obina. The guy's young. He comes in. Listen, at the end of the day, he's got to just prove something. He's got to show a flash if they're going to do it. These are the type of practices where he's going to be able to do it, though. Because, you know, you're going to take it easy on Garrett. You're going to take it easy on Vernon. We know what Claiborne is. You know, Claiborne specifically rushes from the Miles Garrett left side right D end if you're looking at it from the left tackle um so it'll be a chance for these young guys I mean hey I watched Porter Gustin get manhandled against the Bengals last year hopefully he can come back and do something this year so I like the young guys you know Hunt and Chubb I know it was uh OTA style practice but both looking good yesterday in the uh, practice interestingly Njuku and Hooper were doing reps with the first team Jack, does that excite you? Just on the Hunt Chubb stuff, I, I, it's going to be something really interesting to know of who gets more snaps. Because I, I, obviously both can be on the field at the same time. But if I think about what I see Stefanski wanting to do, I think Hunt fits a lot more of the skill set than Chubb. Chubb might be able to run the ball better, but Stefanski's not just looking for a pure rusher. I know Chubb can do it, but... I think um, I think Hunt's got more of a skill set to suit 
what Stefanski will likely want to do. So I think it's an interesting one, certainly, to keep an eye on. The question I have for that is, and this is kind of on the fantasy football side for those guys out there, is if you kind of take the snaps and go 60% of your rushing snaps, Chubb, 40% Hunt, you may have 10 to 15% where you put them both in the, in the game at the same time. You know, do you flex Hunt out of the backfield, you know, and try to determine man versus zone? I mean, you have options. The one thing I think about Stefanski is he's never had a personnel uh, grouping like this. So I don't know if I want to just pigeonhole him to that. Alex Van Pelt also looks like he has a lot of say in the offense. You could see a primarily dominant running football team with just a smorgasbord of weapons on the outside. But I mean, I think we could see a guy like, you know, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick Chubb and, you know, Kareem Hunt just dominating snaps just because the Browns are going to be a very effective football team in terms of running the ball. They didn't go out and get Andy Janovich for, you know, no particular reason. So they're going to have a power element to them. And I think that having those two type of guys that complement each other is going to be crucial to the Browns' success. Because we already know Baker Mayfield is infinitely more, you know, successful and infinitely more efficient when he has that play action, when he has a run game. You know, if the defense is just pinning their ears back and coming at him, you know, he gets happy feet, he rolls right, he throws interceptions. I mean, Paul, how many times last year did you sit there and go, why the hell does he keep having those, those behaviors, that roll to the right? You start getting Chubb and Hunt in there to just bang here, bang there. You just start having these power backs. The offense is going to get into a rhythm a lot quicker than a team that goes five wide and tries to throw it around the yard. Yeah, what do you think about Baker Mayfield? Like, he came out uh, before the um... – I think before media before the practice saying that um, basically his head wasn't in it at the end or lost belief at the end of last season. Listen, Baker, Baker's a guy who he thrives on enthusiasm to use a Bo Bishop word. He's a guy that feeds off of an ego. He's a guy that is an Uber competitor. And sometimes when you lose and you're not having the success you think you personally can have, you will look inward to blame yourself which is what you want out of a quarterback. You don't want, you know, reminiscence of the Jay Cutler days where you're crushing the offensive line or, you know, you're doing this. So the offseason, I think, was an opportunity for Baker to say, you know what, I screwed up. I didn't have my head on right. I wasn't focused on the right things. I mean, as we get older, I mean, Paul, you know this. As we get older, we, we, our priorities change. We, we prioritize things differently. You know, and I think he really attacked the offseason different. He didn't have to worry about his wedding. And I'm just going to tell you, if somebody is planning a wedding, it's a pain in the ass, okay? So Baker Mayfield, as much as the money he has, he was involved in those decisions. He was distracted. There's yeah, no yeah, doubt about yeah, it. We're still waiting for our wedding invites as well. Well, you got to talk to the president. You guys aren't even allowed to fly here. I got family members that are banned from the UK right now. So trust me, Bakeman Media can have a role. I just need you guys to have authorization. You know, there's going to be a few uh, legal authorities in presence, so I don't want you guys getting in trouble. I've got to say, Baker does look a lot slimmer this year, doesn't he? He toned up. He toned up for sure. You think? That's but I good think that's or... Alex Van Pelt saying. You think that's good, on, or he needs a bit of weight as a quarterback? Oh, Stefanski apparently went and visited him, and it was one of the things that got discussed. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, I don't. Listen, I get it. You can be a fat, chubby quarterback. But at the end of the day, if that's what makes Baker feel good, look good, feel good, play good, come on. Just I want to see him stand in the pocket and throw the damn ball. Stand in there and fire the damn thing. Stop with all this other bullshit. Get in there, throw the ball. 
and hand it off to Chuck. Did you see any of the other wide receivers? Obviously, Landry was going very slow receiving the ball. Hodge, Tywan Taylor looked good yesterday. I think, I mean, Jack, I'm curious to listen. We've got wideouts. I mean, at the end of the day, listen, bringing back Hollywood kind of just solidified the core. You've got Odell, you've got Higgins, you've got Landry. Okay, those are your three. Now, the question is, do we have four, five, and six? Do we have uh, Kaderil Hodge? Do we have JoJo Natson as that kind of returner type of thing? Peoples-Jones, I thought, looked pretty good yesterday, just his size, um, just for being a first practice. Ratley and Taylor are your two other guys to throw in the mix. Both of those are your speed guys to get deep. So, I don't know. I, I think they're pretty well set at wide receiver. Yeah, I, I still think they'll be out there looking to improve it because the issue is if one of those big two names that have, you, you've got to be prepared for either of them two going down. They have had knocks um, recently. So, what happens if one of them two goes down? We're not prepared for that. I think we need one more. Um, there's a certain name that I've, I've been banging the drum for for quite a while to bring back as a wild card. If the new CBA allows them to smoke weed, why not run the tires on Josh Gordon? Stop. And, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop. Or another You're going to get like blocked that. on Twitter by 8,211 people right now. Because bring uh, I've been standing for ages. The, the difference is you can't rely on that sort of player to be a wide receiver one, wide receiver two. And that's where the problem was for a long, long time. If you bring in a risky player, and I'm not just saying Josh Gordon, there's other players out there that have got a lot of talent but had a bit of a weed issue. Then you bring one of them in. A little bit of a weed issue? Josh (laughs) Gordon was smoking more weed than Illinois. (laughs) Hey, Jack, I believe John Dorsey's on line one. John Dorsey, line one for Jack Duffin. If you stash one of those players as a wide receiver four, the upside is massive. And the downside, if they do something stupid, is hey, so a wide receiver four. It's not the end of the world. So it's one that I, I wouldn't surprise if you look at uh, Kareem Hunt possibly getting more wide receiver snaps than Rashad Higgins this year. Um, that could certainly be one we see. Um, it all just depends. Are they feel comfortable with um, Jarvis on the boundary? I think they're going to run these guys through reps. They're going to, you're right. They're going to scale back Odell. They're going to scale back Landry. We know what they can do. Josh Gordon's going to Seattle, even though I saw he was getting a haircut in Cleveland. And listen, I love Josh Gordon. I loved him when he was here. I defended him on numerous, numerous occasions. I've had the chance to meet him a few times. He is a really, really nice guy. Like he really is. He's the guy you want to root for. These receivers, I'm telling you, Jack and I were just talking about it, Paul. You got three guys in Landry. Beckham and Higgins that are locks, I would say. And then you've got five guys in Taylor, Ratley, Peoples-Jones, Nadson, and Kaderil Hodge that are really going to be fighting for some spots. DJ Montgomery is another guy that impressed a lot of people last year. So those last three receiver spots are going to be interesting. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe somebody gets a little tight hamstring towards the end of camp and goes on a little bit of an injured list. So we all know how guys do that in terms of stashing players. So. Um, but Paul, I know you'd mentioned the punt return. So yeah, it's interesting. You got uh, Jojo Natson and uh, Donovan People Jones, both potentially fighting for that. Surely, surely, uh, Donovan People Jones gets it. But yesterday, Jojo Natson looked great. I wouldn't say surely. There's a lot of hype, obviously, around Donovan People Jones when he came in. But the imp- thing you've got to remember is. If someone's taking in the 
sixth or seventh round, there's nothing between them and a UDFA. So they're no guarantee to make the roster. They might try and go, hey, let's sneak them onto a practice squad and we'll elevate them if we need them later in the year. Um, and generally a normal NFL roster, you're looking at six wide receivers, sort of the standard. If we're playing, we've got one fullback in there. If we've got um, all extra tight end, they might go, actually, we're only going to have five. Um, so that's certainly something that could happen. And it, a lot of it will come down to those extra sort of roster spots, more down to what Mike Prefer wants than uh, Stefanski. So that it, it's going to be an interesting factor that will come in. I think you're going to look at, though, that sixth wide receiver is going to battle with that, what, seventh cornerback? Because you've got Tavier Thomas, your guy. Uh, you've got Donovan Alumba, Donnie Lewis, Robert Jackson, A.J. Green. You've got all those guys that need to cut their teeth on special teams. So you look at a guy like Kaderil Hodge or Damian Ratley or Taiwan Taylor, who doesn't really play specials, but those other two guys, those are the guys that are fighting for those spots. Oh, it's, it's certainly going to be a uh, interesting battle. And then uh, this season, you, you're going to see, and it's Paul's favorite thing to chat about on the entire roster. There's a lot more important stuff going on with practice squad than ever before, because you can elevate two for game day. And then later down the line, Hey, they can be claimed and other stuff. Um, so they're only really going to be called up for special teams work. Um, lots of people are talking about, oh, are you calling them up to this, you calling them up to that? No. It, people just need to understand that it's like you're not calling up a starting player or rotational piece and then stashing them back on the practice squad. Those guys are on your 53. You've got 53 spots. There is plenty of space for that. The only reason you're going to call one of these guys up is if they're going on special teams. Yeah. Oh, if you want something fun, Paul. This year, six players exclusive on the practice squad. Well, firstly, they've got to get to the practice squad. So as far as I'm aware, they've still got to pass through one set of waivers. Waivers, correct. And lots of people seem to have completely forgot that. And they're chatting about waivers no longer existing in the NFL, which nothing I've read has said anything as such. So lots of people don't seem to be understanding that you don't just take a guy and then you whack him onto your practice squad. You have to cut them. Like when it, you get the player and then you have to re-sign them to the practice squad. Once they get to the practice squad, yeah, you can start protecting guys, but they might not even make it there. So lots of people, there's some very established names in NFL wide media, don't seem to be understanding that. You can protect guys once they're there, but if you wave a guy and then someone else can just grab them, that's a risk you've got to take. Paul, just to give you an idea, if you were to put a poll up that said uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones make it to the practice squad, Browns fans would go nuts, tell you he's the next Odell Beckham, not realizing that he was, what, a sixth-round pick? So teams not didn't just pass him once, twice, three times, four times. They passed him so many times. So, like, the idea that, oh, if we release him, we're releasing the next Julio Jones is just <laughs> nonsense. If somebody really wanted Donovan Peoples-Jones, they'd have taken him before the Browns did it. The last, our second pick of the sixth round. Interesting point though. Alex Van Pelt was making the calls, some of the calls for the offense yesterday. Yeah. So Stefanski seems to have sort of avoided the question all the way through on who's going to be making calls. I think we'd have obviously had a much better idea if we'd have had any preseason games, because that's a great time to test it. Um, It wouldn't surprise me though. Stefanski doesn't seem to be a, uh, megalomaniac like some of the head coaches we have seen especially the last two 
Um, I think he's much more willing to give it up. So if he feels that he's better in a CEO role like Belichick, like some of the others, they know everything that's getting called on offense, defense, special teams, but they're across it all and doing lots of other work during the game. And whoever's calling plays, that's only part of the puzzle. The design and everything is a team effort. Why not? If Stefanski's happy with it, I'm happy with it. And uh, yeah. Also, let's. Uh, there's one thing inside of that. You talk about the waiver wire and the stuff being a misconception. The calling of the plays, people. Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt build the game plan throughout the week. Alex Van Pelt simply gets a play sheet that's put together by him and Kevin Stefanski. So it's not like Stefanski's not going to know what's going on. His input is building the sheet. If it's third and six here, and Van Pelt may jump on and go, hey, Kevin, it's third and six. You want to run A or B? It may be something like that. Who's calling the plays is an overrated thing. I think only Tony Grossi doesn't fully understand how that works. The head coach is an integral part in determining what plays get called. Whether he actually radios it into Baker on the game day, a little bit overblown. I want to mention two players on the defense that shine in uh, training yesterday. Guess who them two players are? One I'm completely shocked with. Yeah. Redwine was the one when I read, I went, because I don't know. I didn't see much in him last year. So if he comes out and surprises me, hat tip to him, because I was ready to write him off last year in that Cincinnati game. And the other player, Jack, who I'm thinking of? Um, I think it's a slot cornerback, if I'm not mistaken. He, he just the one interception for Kevin Johnson. Yeah. I, I thought that every everyone raving about apparently played well throughout the whole thing. So, uh, no, it's really good to see because – if we are going to play nickel and dime and Zagura and Ian ping me the message said, don't be surprised if the dime package is for safeties. And that's something important to remember when you're looking at the cornerback depth and what happens to potential Terrence Mitchell. If they're actually looking to put more safeties on the field because Delpit might drop in and play the slot, then that's something that you don't need as many corners if you're going to substitute it by going, let's go three or four safeties. We're only ever really going to have two corners out there. So it moves around what you need because just because it's called slot corner, a lot of it you're going to see that mix with it. They're just DBs um, and they get all just put into a pot together. And lots of it will just be based on what down and distance it is, what part of the game it's in and who you're up against. Because having that flexibility to go, actually, we're going to play four corners this week because we've got some, we're playing, say, the Cardinals that might have four wide receivers out there. And then a different week you're going, actually, we're playing the Eagles with two wide receivers. We're going to have four safeties and have that flexibility is, is really important thing to have in it. And I was Woods to do some funky stuff. Paul, to give you an idea, one of my buddies was like, how do you run four safeties? It's very easy. Do you have say Garrett Richardson, Claiborne and Ogunjobi on the front. You bring in Mac Wilson as kind of your mic. Then you can run a secondary with Greedy, Denzel. You could run it with Sendejo, Redwine, Carl Joseph. So you'd have Sendejo and Carl Joseph plays your strong. And then you could have Sendejo and I'm sorry, Redwine and Delpit running as kind of your freeze where Delpit's matching up on a tight end. So if I have, like Jack mentioned, Philly, we have Baltimore who has two big tight ends. I got red wine on one. I got Delpit on the other. I dropped Sandejo and Carl Joseph. And now I've got Greedy and Denzel on the outside. That's, that's a very, you, you got guys that can match up against tight ends. Joe Woods loves that cover three, cover one. It's definitely a possibility. 
it's great though that we've got four good cornerbacks uh, for depth. You know, Terrence Mitchell, uh, the new guy who's first round tackle. Yeah, you basically talent. got Denzel Greedy and uh, Kevin Johnson are going to be your top three, and then that fourth one is going to be the Warden Donnie McGreedy. Lewis, AJ Green. Yeah, Greedy, Denzel, and Kevin Johnson, and then you've got your fight Terrence Mitchell, Donovan Lumba. Those guys all fighting for that fourth. I still rate Terrence Mitchell as a great cornerback. He's good. It's just, it's where they see him in the role. And you can trade him off and get something this year. And if, if you're going to bury him as the fourth corner and you're only really planning to play two on every snap, then I love cornerback depth. But if you're going to supplement it with safeties, then you might just say, hey, let's flip him on. There's next no guarantees in there. Um, over the cap had him pegged pretty high. I think he's in the top 10 for most likely cuts just because of, COVID next year so just where you're trying to save some money it's one that you, you do go and look at it um, MJ Stewart he was overdrafted in the second round um, probably should have been high fourth late third um, and he, he offers upside he's much better special teams and um, would have been the sixth best special teamer for the Browns last year according to PFF and why not Let, let's bring him in and if, if you've got a guy that can play special teams and he's comfortable being your team's second-choice slot corner, that's a really nice position to be in because I love Terrier Thomas. I've been banging his drum. like It's felt like a lonely, lonely road for a long time. If you can get someone that plays slightly better than him as special teams and can be an impact um, role player, that's a really, really good thing to have. The biggest thing with these guys is the flexibility. You got it. I mean, if Honey Mitch can run free safety in some of those four safety packages as a corner – you know, if Del Pitt needs to come off the field, you just got to have flexibility. Same with MJ Stewart. So look for the Browns that have very versatile defenders. All right, guys, that's day one done. I'm looking it's good seeing you guys again. I feel like we have just been so long away. So yeah. it's great to kind of get done. back, talk football. Podcasts will come back on Sunday. If you guys are around, if not, we'll get a mystery guest on. You know, we're full of uh, series three, full of surprises. But guys, Ian, where can we find your details? Ian19 on Twitter. And, you know, I've kind of been a little low lately, so I'll be firing up the old Twitter machine here. Good to hear. Jack? So it's at Jack Duffin on Twitter. I've done some writing over at the Dogland. Um, I did an article this week. Um, what was it about? Um, check it out. That's a teaser. Yeah. So check it out. That, that's a teaser because I've already forgot. But it was a really good one. Uh, people enjoyed it. Um, so, uh, so this is what happened when he loses the weight. Ready. He loses brain cells. All I'm right, a dad guys. now. I'm, I'm a dad now. I don't, I'm not, I don't remember what's going on. All right, guys. I'll finish up by saying go Browns. Keep listening. Any input. If you want to come on as a surprise guest, let us know. And we'll fi finish up by saying go Browns. We are less than four weeks. Well, four weeks in a day to the season starts. It was Real quick, about Jack. Andrew Berry's first three big deals and what that means to the Browns' future and cap. Real quick, though, Jack, on a scale of 1 to 10, Paul's blonde mullet, what do you give it? A 12. 12. Screw you, Cybert. This is the man right here. Paul Brown's mullet. Beautiful. All right, guys. I'm going to finish off by pushing and record. <laughs>